You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. All right. Gospel change is today's topic. Um, What I want to do to start out, though, I kind of want to change things up. I'm going to tell you guys a story about a, a young boy that I know but from the perspective of God's eyes. So God looking down on this young boy, and I think you guys can relate to this story. Uh, most everyone should. Um, and so follow follow me, and we'll see how this goes, because I've never done this before. So, um, so I get to be God for a while, which is cool. So anyway, um, so there's this young boy I know very well. I created him. Uh, he's my son, and... Uh, and this young boy's really struggling. Uh, this young boy is struggling with his identity. Uh, he's struggling with acceptance. Um, he's confused. Uh, this young, this young, this young man is uh, is a follower of me. Um, he's confessed my name publicly um, and in private. Uh, he accepted me as his Lord and Savior in seventh grade when he was in seventh grade. But from that point on, this, this young, young man uh, has had a struggle. And the struggle this young man had was, was lust and pornography and masturbation and all that fun stuff. Um, this, this young boy uh, knew it was wrong. He knows it's wrong. He grew up in the church with a great family, um, surrounded himself with good people. Um, but there was always this struggle that this, this young boy just couldn't get past. And he tried everything. He was trying very hard, but again, it just nothing was good enough. Um, and it hurts me. It, it hurts me to see that young boy's heart of pain, knowing that he knows the gospel. He knows gospel change. But the thing with this young boy is he doesn't believe gospel change. He knows it. He grew up in the church, but he doesn't believe it. Um, and so I wanted to, um, to tell you about this young boy, this young boy that I loved, this young boy that I sent my one and only son to die on a cross for because I love him and I love each and every single one of you. Um, He was trying to find himself through what the world says, Um, you know, and so when things don't go right, what happens? We work harder, right? We try harder. And a lot of times we put on fake faces. and so this young boy tries to be a better Christian, uh, trying to earn his acceptance with me. Um, he's tired and weary, and he doesn't think he's ever going to change. And that's the story of this young boy. And I wrote this young boy, um, I wrote this young boy a letter, and this is what um, I showed him. And Jacob, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked, according to this age. Jacob, um, you carried out the inclinations of your flesh, of your heart, and by nature, Jacob, you were a child under wrath, as others were also. But I, who am abundant in mercy because of my great love for you, Jacob, made you alive with my son, Jesus. Though you were dead in your trespasses, by grace you are saved. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, Jacob, 
but it is my gift. Not from works so that you can't boast. For Jacob, you are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which I prepared ahead of time so that you should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, talking about a dead life, realizing our trespasses, realizing our sin, realizing that we can't do it on our own. There's that passage where Paul talks about being dead, but then Jesus, but God, makes us alive with Christ. And I want you guys to really focus on today, we're talking about gospel change. And I'm going to tell you right now, gospel change does not happen because of you. There's nothing you can do for your life to change. Everlasting. Okay, it's the work and person of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to go through today. Um, But God, Tim Keller said this, The lack of deep belief in the gospel is the main cause of spiritual deadness. The lack of deep belief in the gospel is the main cause we're spiritually dead. You know, I was told, uh, this was years ago, uh, I was listening to a sermon from a pastor, and he kept mentioning moving on, or he, he used the word graduating from the gospel. And at the time, I bought it. I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. We got we to move on. We got to work harder. We got to get better at life. But then I came to realize during that time, I was still struggling with pornography. If you guys didn't know, that boy was me, of course. But what hit me and what what shook me was, why am I taking the focus off of how Jesus saved my life and focusing on me? Because when we drift from the gospel, guys, when we think we've graduated from the gospel, when we've overcome the gospel, like we know it. We believe it, but then what do we do? We think, okay, well now I got to add to it. Now I got to now I got to work a little harder because yeah, I'm accepted by God, okay? We understand that with the gospel we're accepted by Jesus, okay? But now when you believe that what happens? Now you think, well, I got to I got to continue to do good so I keep being accepted by God. But that's not true at all. So we're going to work through some of this stuff um But I want you guys to ask this question to yourself. Can you relate to that story of the boy? And maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's it's something else. Maybe it's greed. Maybe you struggle with with being envious of other people's money. Maybe it's a struggle with a relationship you have. You know? But I think we can all relate. Sometimes we just try too hard. The only thing we can do is just try harder, try harder, and it never seems to work. We get tired, we get weary, we get frustrated, and then that's when we start drifting away from the gospel. Not feeling accepted, loved, or valuable. So in response, we try harder. We believe if we work harder, we will finally be accepted and start changing our lives for the better. But I'll tell you this, God's grace is that He saves us from ourselves. And we read that, um, Ephesians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. The greatest gift that we have from God is that He saves us from ourselves, Because we know that we can't, we can't save ourselves. We need um, a perfect, spotless lamb. As we know, that's Jesus Christ. And so we put our trust and faith in Him and believe that gospel. 
We can't change us. Only the spirit working inside of us can change us. Now, I shared that story with you guys. And what we're going to do now, I'm going to have Joe uh, play a song. Um, it wouldn't be uh, a sermon without disciple lyrics, right? You know, in this church. So where he's going to play the song Erase. But what I want you guys to do, and if you have stuff to write down, I want you to focus on that moment when Jesus saved you. That moment when Jesus rescued you. And because I think it's important, guys, there's a lot of time where we know that, okay? And we believe that, that we were saved, that we were made new, but we drift from that. We think, okay, that's, that's done dealing, okay? Now i got to live my life. But it's important that we never forget that moment where Jesus saved us, that first love. And so when this song's playing, I want you guys to write down, have in your head, when was that time that Jesus saved you? When was that time that you were rescued from the pit of hell? And I want you to write that down, and I never want you to forget that. Because that's the greatest day in your life. And I know all you guys have that. And so really think about that, write it down, and then I'll just have one or two people share just their short experience. Um, and relatable to this song. Because this song speaks truth, and it's just a great reminder of God's love for us. So go ahead and play it, Joe. Yep,
We could play repeat all day, and I'd be totally fine with that. One uh, part of that song that he says over and over again that relates with me is, my love is greater than your mistake. And that is the love of God right there. That despite our mistakes, despite our failures, continued failures, His love is way greater than our mistake. And one thing that I heard from Tim Keller again says, We are more flawed and sinful than we ever dared believe. Yet, we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope at the same time. So I want you guys to know and I want you to, to store in your heart that, yes, we are sinful, we are fallen, we are wicked, we are vile, but at the same time, God loved us so much that He restored that relationship. That He, he stepped through that gap and took on that bridge and said, you know, I love them so much that I'm going to send my one and only son to die for you so you can be in a relationship with him. We are loved very much. So I want to hear from you guys, maybe two people, um, if you don't mind, sharing what did you write down during that song. It's neat because when that moment comes, guys, when that light turns on, we see our need of a Savior, you know, we're, we're baptized, um, we see Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God begins to do a work inside of us, and Philippians 1 talks about that. Um, that work that He begins that day, He promises that He's going to carry that to the day of completion. And so, guys, when you think, okay, you, you believe in the gospel, you know your life um, is right with God, okay, there's going to be times where you don't think you're changing. There's going to be times where it might that change might seem like it's taken forever and ever, and you just can't get over that freaking hump, okay? Because I've been there, and I'm, I'm still there, okay? But I want you guys to know, and I hope this encourages you, that God promises that He will, who, He who began a good work in you is going to complete it. And I don't think God lies on His promises. And so that's a hope that we can have. And that should encourage us that even when times are hard, guys, and we don't feel like our life is changing, we're struggling with the same thing, God is doing a work in you. And so that's why I had you guys think about your story. Everyone else has a story of gospel change in their life. And, and I want you to always think that we don't graduate from that. Because when we graduate from it, we drift from it. And so it's important that we focus and focus and always go back to that time uh, when Jesus saved you. And when you do that, then you'll know that's the evidence of change, is that you're still believing the gospel. Um, so I hope that encourages you guys. All right, we're going to move on. There's, there's three points that um, I'm going to go over today. Um, and I want you guys to write these down. So point number one um, is the gospel is the good news of gracious acceptance. The gospel is the good news of gracious acceptance. Everyone have that? The gospel is the good news of gracious acceptance. See, we are not reconciled to God through our efforts and merit. Do we all believe that? Do we know that? Okay, We are not reconciled. We are not made right with God because of what we do. 
Okay, that's super important we understand that. As in all other religions, that's how they get favor with God, right? They have to do enough good works. They have to do um, a certain amount of sacrifices. That's the one thing great about Christianity and following Jesus is that Jesus did it all. He paid for it all. And the power lies in Him. So we are not reconciled to God through our own efforts and merit, as in all other religions, but through Christ's effort and His merit. Uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. He paid that price for us. See, the gospel is different from religion, and here is why. See, religion operates on this principle. If I obey, okay, I will be accepted. That's religion. If I obey, I will be accepted. The gospel operates on this. I am accepted through Christ, therefore I obey. There's two totally different things there. I obey, so I'm accepted, or there is, I'm accepted through Christ, and so I therefore will obey. Not only can you become your own God, your own personal Savior, by breaking the law of God, so we can become rebels, we can become our own Savior, saying, you know, I don't need God, you know, He can, he can just take a hike, I'll do what I want, okay, break the law, okay, we can become our own Savior that way. Or, you can also do so by keeping the law in order to earn your salvation. There's a two-double two sword there. You can re rebel against God, go far away from Him, or you can say, well, I, I'm going to keep every commandment, I'm going to keep every holiday, I'm going to keep every festival, and you feel that that's going to earn my salvation. That, that, that there, if I, if I do all these things, if, I, if I'm a good person, if I keep all the commandments, then I'm going to earn my favor with God. And as we know, that's not true either. And I'm going to give you an example here. If we fail to forgive others, that isn't a lack of obedience on our part. So, so if Joe has said something against me and I can't forgive him, that isn't a lack of obedience on my part. What that is, though, is a failure to believe that I'm saved by grace. If I can't forgive Joe for what he said against me, okay, if I can't forgive him, I, I, just, I just can't do it. Because, man, he really pissed me off what he said. And, and a lot of people nowadays, you know, we're very uh, snowflakey, as you can say. This one little thing makes us upset. And I think we understand that with what just happened with the election. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about the election because I don't care. Okay. This is more important. All right. But I, I want you to realize it's not, be, it's not of a lack of obedience that I can't forgive Joe, but it's in my heart. It's in my heart that I am not saved by grace. Okay, I, I'm not understanding that. When, guys, when you realize that you are saved by the costly grace of Christ, when you realize that, you'll forgive Joe. You'll forgive anyone that you have um, a pardon with or anyone that you have struggles with. Okay, When you see the love of Christ that has forgiven you from your vileness, your wickedness, then you'll see, I can forgive Joe. I'm forgiven. I have to forgive Joe. Okay, And it's all in your heart. Um, Believing in the gospel is not only the way to meet God, but also the way to grow into Him. Okay? So believing the gospel is not just the only way to meet God. Okay? But it's also the way we grow in Him. Like I said, we do not graduate from the gospel. 
Okay, really, I want, I want that to be focused in your head. We do not graduate from the gospel. We don't move on from it. That's our foundation. And, and that's super important that we understand that. Okay, so this is the question that you guys will break up in your group for point number one. Why is it so hard for us Christians to truly believe our salvation and acceptance comes from God alone and not our own doing? So why is that hard for us? Why is it hard to truly believe our salvation and acceptance comes from God alone and not our own doing? So discuss in your groups, guys, uh, for a few minutes, and then uh, each group will share one. So go for it. All right, let's get rolling. Why is it so hard for Christians to truly believe our salvation and acceptance comes from God alone and not our own doing? Um, let's Mark, why don't you middle table? Dave's answer was, what's the catch? What's the catch twenty two? Of uh, this question? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, see, that, that's, that's, you know. That's why, why is it hard? Why is it hard that we put our work to being accepted by God, would you say? Uh, uh, I, I guess the, the thing around that was, what's the catch? Why would he love me? Okay, yep. Why? I mean, look at all, of, all the crap I've done. Mm-hmm. Why would he actually love me when I've done all this stuff that goes against him? Okay. Yep. I said, like, it's like I'm undeserving. So mm-hmm. it feels like if I could finally, at some point, achieve more goodness than bad that I've done, mm-hmm. then I would maybe deserve it. Right. But most of the time, it's like, yeah, I, I just don't deserve it. So. Okay. Okay. Those are all very good good points. What I would say to that, and this is, I, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but to what you're saying, I, I would say that God is your creator. He's your father. And I, I know there's, there's relationships, like father relationships here on earth that are broken, and we don't understand that, that a father can love us that way. But the true picture of a father is one that is gentle, one that loves you unconditionally, no matter what you've done. Um, and I think that's important to grasp that God is your Father. He's your Creator. He loves you regardless of what you've done. And He wants that relationship with you. And so that's why He sent His one and only Son to die on that cross for you. That's, that's a picture of love. That's a picture of acceptance. You know. And so think about that um, too as you think about Because it's so easy. And I, I'm right with you guys on that. Thinking that... Man, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. Like I, and I still do a lot of stupid things in my life. But it's important to understand, okay, that we have a Father that loves us regardless. And if we truly invest in that, if we truly believe that, then our response to that is wanting to do good. And it's, and it's okay to want to do good works. There's nothing wrong with that. We're called to do good works. God planned for us to do good works that are in Him. And so it's important that we understand that, okay, I, I, I don't deserve this, but God loved me so much. I mean, it just fills our heart that we want to do good works for Him because of the love that He's shared with us. Those are good. All right, number two. <clears throat> the gospel is the good news of changed lives.
The gospel is the good news of changed lives. Okay, the gospel is the good news of changed lives. The gospel is not just a truth about us that we affirm with our minds. It is also a reality that we must experience in our hearts and souls. All right, that smells really good. <laughs> and I'm going to read this paragraph to you guys about gospel change. If we get this wrong... The consequences are disastrous, and yet many people go wrong at just this point. They begin the Christian life on the basis that their acceptance and entrance into a new status with God comes by grace apart from anything they do. Okay? So God alone. But they believe that maintaining that standing is dependent upon their own efforts. Becoming a Christian is up to God. Remaining a Christian is up to them. Paul strongly cautions us against this kind of thinking. The same grace by which we were justified is the grace in which we are now stand. And Romans 5.2 mentions that. As we receive Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so we walk in Him in faith. At the very least, depending on our own efforts means that we will not experience a life of grace and joy. At the very least, depending on our own efforts, we will not experience a life of grace and joy. And lastly, he says, growth in the Christian life is always growth by grace and under grace, never beyond grace. Lose sight of this and living the Christian life becomes burdensome. Change takes place by grace through faith. Guys, when we try to change on our own, when we try to be a better person on our own, what happens? Like I said, that young boy got weary. He got tired. It becomes burdensome because we can't do it on our own. It's only by the grace and faith that is in Jesus Christ that we change. All right. Paul gives us some really good examples, too, about this, about heart change. Okay. One, Paul asking believers to give money to the poor. And this comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And then 8 and 9, and I'm going to read this. So he's talking okay, to the Macedonian church, and there was some severe poverty going on. Okay, So Paul says this, I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, although he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Okay, so Paul isn't demanding them to give. Okay, he isn't telling you sad stories. He isn't giving you pamphlets. He didn't give them pamphlets of poor kids on the street. Okay, guilting you into giving. Okay, Paul uses a very powerful image, bringing Jesus' salvation into the realm of money, wealth, and poverty. So when Paul was speaking to this church, trying saying, hey, we need to help out this poor here, okay, he didn't use guilt, he didn't use stories, he didn't demand as an apostle, he could demand of them give money, because he had that power as an apostle. But he didn't do that. Okay? He brings them back to the gospel saying, think on his costly grace. So Paul says, think on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Think on that cost of grace until you are changed into generous people by the gospel in your hearts. And so heart change. Paul declared, guys, think of that costly grace that Jesus bestowed on you. And through that, your heart's going to change, which then will give you the heart of being generous to give to the poor. You don't have to worry and stress about money or even being envious of others that have money. Jesus' love and salvation confers on a remarkable status, one that money cannot give you. Everything in this world nowadays, it seems like, is all about money. I, my wife and I love watching uh, 48 Hours, okay? And normally everything has to do with money. Every murder, every case has to do with being envious of someone's money, whether it's your wife, whether it's your husband. Okay, Morgan always jokes that the day I take out a life insurance policy on me that that's the day she would kill me because she'd get a lot of money. Okay, but it's true, I, and she won't do it. I she can't. But anyway, <laughs> she knows she's got to wait a certain amount of time before that. Right, right, yeah. Well, she we've been watching a lot of Forty Eight Hours, so she's getting familiar with that. But anyway, but it's 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 huge. Money is so huge in our culture now, and we are so envious of other people that have more money. Would you agree with that? We, we see what, what they drive or what they wear or what all this stuff. And it all has to do with money. And we're envious. But I want to tell you that Jesus, okay, Jesus is, is that quote said, Jesus' love and salvation confers on you a remarkable status, one that money can't buy. It can't even come close to what Jesus did for you. He paid that price. One more example. Paul does the same thing in Ephesians 5, um, Chapter 5, verse 25, when he says, Husbands, be faithful to your wives. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, men are faithful not because of rules or guidelines. Okay? Men are faithful to their wives not because of a set of rules we might uh, have. I'm not faithful to my wife because I uh, had a, um, one of those, uh, you don't call them a covenant, but uh, is it covenant that you do at your wedding? The vows, the vows. I'm not faithful to Morgan because of a vow I read to her about five years ago. And you're not faithful to your wife because of a vow you read to her five years ago. Because that stuff, sometimes we, we lose track and we don't remember, but we're faithful because our heart has been changed by the gospel. And that we understand the love that Jesus has on us, so that desires me and gives me the motivation to love my wife the same way as Jesus loved the church. Okay? And so it says, men are faithful not because of rules or guidelines, but because they are motivated by the love of Christ, the gospel. And that's why, guys, I'm going to tell you again, it's so important that we don't think we have graduated from the gospel. Behavior to love your wife or, fellas, what do you say we bring our wives in this? Wives to submit to your husbands without heart change will be superficial and fleeting. So without our heart change, without the gospel changing our hearts, Okay? It's not going to last. And that's why divorce rate is, is probably 60% or more now. Even in the church, it's high. Because our, our hearts have not been changed by the gospel. It's all outwardly uh, doing. Okay, so the question for this one. How do you know your faith is authentic and the change is happening? So how do you know your faith is authentic and change is, is happening?
It's a hard question. So go ahead and write stuff down, discuss in your group, and we'll discuss this one as well. All right. Andrew, what did you get for this one? What did your table come up with? Um, <laughs> and you guys can help them out. Um, something about... <laughs> <laughs> something about... <laughs> How do you know your faith is authentic and true change is happening? That was the question. Very good fruit. Okay. Um, and spiritual attacks. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I heard Christy preaching over yeah. here. She was preaching. I said that, if, you know, Jennifer mentioned spiritual attacks when like she knows that change is happening when she's being attacked because mm-hmm. um, she can she can see the change um, mm-hmm. but I just said that you know if you're not being spiritually attacked then you better be worried because Satan doesn't see you as a threat right so, yep that's good is it Michael? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, what did you guys come up with, this table? Well, some of the big things were that other people are seeing the change in us and telling us about it. Yep. And said, hey, you're not the same way you once were. <laughs> or, like, your motives and your desires aren't what they once were. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have peace with God, with yourself, with others, and you, know, you feel as though you're being drawn in a certain direction. Or, you know, authentic joy, you know, mm-hmm. coming really, truly alive. Yeah. They're all big indicators. Yep. And, you know, I would agree that, you know, spiritual attack mm-hmm. is also an indicator. Yeah. You know, if you're not moving in the right direction, why would Satan fight you? Right. Very good. All those very good. I had a, I had to find it. <clears throat> okay. This is to response to that question. Change doesn't mean we will never again be tempted and fail into sin. But change means we will never lose our fight and hope in our salvation. How do you know your salvation is authentic? Well, that you're still believing in Christ and the hope of the gospel that you once believed in before. So like I said before, this topic is hard because when you think of change, everything is outwardly, right? So if I got to change, I got to change my outward behavior. How I speak, what I look like, how I, how I act. But really, where does it start? It starts inside. And when we change to the inside, when God changes from the inside, then that then goes to the outside. So a change in the heart um, is the first thing that happens. So very good. That, those are all good indicators. All right. Last one. <clears throat> This one will go by pretty fast. Number three, the gospel is the good news of the new world to come. The gospel is the good news of the new world to come.
See, the gospel is not just about individual happiness or your own fulfillment. It's not just a wonderful plan for my life, but it's a wonderful plan for the world. And we have to realize uh, Bible-believing churches, gospel-centered churches, I mean, th this is huge in their church, and I think you guys are one of them. The gospel is not, I mean, it is for us, and we have to believe it, but it's not just for us. It's not for our own personal fulfillment. It's not for your own personal matters. It's for the whole world. And, and the Great Commission says that. You see, Christ wins our salvation, get this, through losing, achieving power through weakness and service, and comes to wealth by giving it all away. That is totally opposite of what the world would say wealth and power and prosperity comes from. I'll read again. Christ wins our salvation through losing, achieving power through weakness and service, and comes the wealth by giving it all away. So there's two kingdoms. we got the earthly kingdom and we got the heavenly kingdom. See, the earth is all about power, recognition, wealth, and popularity. And we seek those things like none other, don't we? we? We seek wealth. We want to be wealthy. We seek power. We want to have power. Recognition is huge. Acceptance is huge. And popularity. Well, heavenly kingdom seeks the poor, the gentle, the humble, the merciful, and the loving. So as you, can, as you see, complete reversals of one another. When we understand that we are saved by sheer grace through Jesus Christ, we stop seeking salvation in power, recognition, wealth, and popularity. And we start seeking salvation through gentle, humble, merciful, and the work of Christ alone. We find our hope in Jesus. We start living by the Spirit. And when we live by the Spirit, true gospel change occurs. Okay? Our mind and hearts go from those worldly things of wanting popularity, wanting acceptance, wealth, and power. Our mind goes from there and it transitions over to the fruits of the Spirit, which you guys talked about. And so true change you see happens when our mindset, our hearts change from wanting to be accepted by the world, wanting to do things of the world, wanting to be loved by the world, and it transitions to then wanting to be accepted by Christ, and we know we are. And that will change us, and we see that change by the fruits of the Spirit. And so, this last question that you guys are going to discuss is this. Write down ways how this church body, the well, can be an example to this community on how to live a heavenly kingdom life. So how can this church body live a heavenly kingdom life? and not earthly kingdom life. And discuss that for just about a minute. And then we'll hear your answers. All right, lovely people. What did we come up with? Let's, um... Nate, what did you come up with? You and Brandon came up with this one. Um, primarily the idea that this isn't their home. Yep. We're on mission here. Yep. <coughs> we're citizens of heaven, so mm -hmm. this, I mean, America, Nebraska, Hastings, is... Temporary. That's our mission. Yep. 
That's good. Very good. This table here. What's your name, ma'am? Stephanie. Stephanie. What did you guys come up with? talked about is just making ourselves available um, to the community and not only talking about it but also living good those are all right on good job proud of you guys the last thing I'm going to say is this the gospel is the dynamic for all heart change life change and social change change won't happen through trying harder but only through encountering the radical grace of God and if I want you guys to know one thing or take one thing away today before we eat, because I know you guys are hungry, I'm hungry, and this smells really good, and that cake looks really good. But before we go, what's one thing that you... <laughs> oh, now they're looking at it. Now they're, it's over. Blossom. What's one thing that you take away from today? Just a few of you guys. What's one, Brandon, what's one thing you'd take away from today. I, I like what you said about uh, when we graduate from the gospel, we drift from it. So yep. knowing that no matter where we're at on that race that Paul talks about, um, the moment we decide to deviate from it, thinking we've got it together, we don't. Yeah. That's it. That's what you should all say. So perfect. <laughs> we'll end with that. <laughs> Brandon gets to eat cake first. All right, I will pray, I will pray, and then, uh, I don't know, Joe might preach for about 50 minutes, I think, and then we'll eat, right? Okay, <laughs> you know it could be true, you know. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, come to you and, and thank you, um, God, for this Porterbrook study of gospel change. Um, God, I pray that you fill our hearts with your gospel and your love for us that we can share with others. Um, God, that we can live a gospel-changed life um, because of you. And I pray, God, that um, God, you give each and every single one of us opportunities to share the gospel with, um, with people in this community, outside this community, that we can be an example of, of just Christ-like love, uh, which you instill in us. God, I pray that we do not graduate from the gospel and drift away, but I pray that we continue to seek after um, the cross of Christ and the redemption and love that it has in our own lives. And through that, we will be changed. So God, we love you. We serve you. I pray that you bless this food to our bodies. Thank you for the hands that prepared it um, and just the, the sacrifice and service of this wonderful meal. May we have a great time in fellowship. And God, may we just listen to more disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.